0: I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on a knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this!
1: (laughs) It's a joke, obviously.
0: You're in retreat. We're not rioting yet.
1: I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. But
0: spider goat sounds way cooler than manta rays, doesn't it? And I was like,
1: well, here's my two cents. You, 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 you need a lot of stuff.
0: That's how we should describe the podcast. If they even went out and recruited one more person, and we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then,
1: let's start the show.
0: Good evening, sir. How are you doing? We're back.
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Welcome.
0: You paused, you paused then? Are you sure you're doing well? There was a
1: Yeah, I was just, was just a, finishing the sip of my, my beer here. So it's a, uh, do, you to, do you want to put a plug in for the beer, see if we can get some sort of sponsorship deal out of it? Kronbacher Pills. Okay, I only asked. I need to get like that about it. I'm a de nature.
0: Well, your your language skills have really advanced, <laughs> haven't they? Since you've been living there. A, my word, Flash is bilingual, ladies and gents. Here a it is. pearl
1: of nature is what it means. Okay. And okay. actually, I'm now working on my third language, so I'll be trilingual. So, you know.
0: Okay. But how much beer have you got left in that bottle? Because you just need to take two fingers of it now. <laughs> Oh, you're right, the two fingers game. You should maybe explain that to the audience who so doesn't... No, no I think just leaving it as you should take two fingers. I think uh, those 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 that know us closely enough will know the uh, the game that we're, we're playing and those that don't will just think that you're doing something with two fingers right now that is probably best left between two grown men on, <laughs> on a Skype video call. <laughs> but um, if you want to know what the meaning of the two fingers are and you don't know, Tweet us in tweet tweet me and I'll gladly explain the rules to you. Alright,
1: alright. Well, no, I uh, I'm almost done this one, but I do have another one ready to go because, you know, we got a pretty jam-packed <coughs> show, I think, tonight. As yeah, always. We have. Well, you know, we, we like to push as much into a show as we can, and
0: I think I think we're not gonna disappoint tonight.
1: Yeah, well, why don't you start us off with uh, you know, if you're not too depressed or just completely over it i want to hear your thoughts on the on the election the big uk election the once every two years uk (laughs) election that seems to be happening uh these days so the the vote was what a couple days ago uh yeah so yeah not even a week ago um
0: yeah, it's interesting, because obviously when the US elections happened, you know, that gets global coverage and yeah. everyone, you know, chatting to you and chatting to other friends, everyone, everyone was, you know, oh, what do you think about the US election? To be honest, normally when the British elections happen, nobody gives a shit. Um to be honest, not even the British public give that much of a toss about <laughs> it. But this time it seemed to really capture I don't know, the the I was getting, you know, messages from people all around the world asking Oh, how's it going? You know, yeah. what do you think the result's going to be? So it, interesting from that point of view that suddenly the globe is sort of taking an interest in this little small island and its politics. Um Yeah, it was funny. My my prediction before um, it happened, I, actually, the night before, I was with a group of friends and we were we were predicting. I, I predicted that um, the Conservatives, the Tories, uh, would would retain uh, power. Um, but I actually said that they would end up with a narrower margin, uh, a narrower, narrower majority, I should say, Yeah. than uh, they got. Um, obviously, that's the case. They ended up without a majority. Yeah, they got their minority, yeah. Um. So, yeah, and I think that's watching the results come in. It was interesting seeing that. I think the the polls in the last couple of elections have been so far off that the pollsters were sort of edging their bets a little bit this time and not really committing um, but actually the guy that does the poll for the BBC he's um, he's a professor of politics in sterling University I think um, he nailed it bang on effectively yeah. um, he was about the only one whereas all the others were, were kind of way off um yeah I my 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 worry is I, I thought that Theresa may and the government would take this as a sign of okay well you're back in power through one way or another but people obviously aren't happy with what you're doing, yeah, you need to make a change, whereas from what I've seen on the news today, especially, she's basically said, well, you know, we're back in power and off we go with what we you know set
1: out to do it's like, well, no. <laughs>
0: People didn't vote for you for a reason. Yeah. Um, you lost you to a lot of
1: seats. You lost a significant number of votes. But what was voter turnout like? That's my.
0: It was. My understanding was it was high, and where it was particularly high was with the youth vote. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Which went I, to largely to Corbyn, right? in the Labour Party.
0: It did. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's a couple of reasons for that. So I think, um, firstly, I think that. Since the Brexit vote, I think the youth have been getting more and more involved in politics because I think suddenly they're seeing that they're the ones that are going to get screwed over by this more than anyone else. Yeah. Um. So I think a lot of them had already registered, but there was an even bigger surge in registering to vote in, in under, I think it was under 25s, there so was a big surge. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, as you correctly said, the, the majority of the young people were all pushing towards Labour. And I think... I think two reasons for that. Um, The first reason being that one of their manifesto pledges was free education, higher higher education. Um, And I think the second part of that is from when we had the coalition with um, the Conservatives and the Lib Dems. So when we had David Cameron and uh, Nick Clegg forming a coalition, at that point, the Liberal Democrats pledge at that time was free education. Um but when they formed the coalition, obviously they weren't the majority party. So they their manifesto was, had some influence on the Tory policies, but it was watered down. And one of the things that went out the window was free education. And I know a, a lot of students would traditionally back the Lib Dems. And I, I think there's still, even now we're, what, seven years on, maybe a little bit longer. Still um, the there's still a big backlash about that. Um, so I th- it was interesting to see the Lib Dems starting to make a comeback, but I think Labour basically stole a lot of their comeback by making that pledge. But yeah, it really, it was a an election with no winners. Um, you know, Labour obviously saying, you know, they're winners because they, you know, they outperformed the pollsters and they increased their vote, which I guess is true. But is this the hi- Is really- this
1: the highest number of seats they've had? Um no because they've had government before. Oh okay. So, yeah, yeah
0: yeah. You know Tony Tony Blair was was Labour and right. an interesting but since Corbyn Blair,
1: took over the party this is the house. Yes. Yeah.
0: And that's the big thing I think because Corbyn's had so much infighting with the Labour party to deal with. Yeah. Um everyone was like, Well, if he can't control his own party, there's no way he can control the country and yeah. gain the electorate but actually what we saw is actually he came across very well and I think I think the other part of it is that just the camp the difference between the campaigns, the the Labour campaign wasn't I don't follow a lot of the campaigns, but the Labour campaign wasn't brilliant. But Corbyn came across very well and mm-hmm. in the debates came across very well. Um whereas in the one debate that she did, May didn't come across that well. And then she dodged all the other debates. Yeah.
1: But um, well, she just seems that, like, a, like a robot, basically. Like, I don't know. I've only seen a couple things her <laughs> speaking. And it's just like, wow, you seem really out of touch. And, you know, just, but whatever. Well, That's uh, an, yeah, an I outside think observation.
0: The, well, I've heard some people say this, up until the campaign starting, whether you like Theresa May or not, I think they all thought she was actually doing a reasonable job yeah. as prime minister then there was a couple of hiccups
1: um, along the way or something
0: and then suddenly the campaign started and she just seemed to fuck it up the ass and yeah. and you know and obviously now everyone's looking back going well you shouldn't have called the the snap you know you, yeah. you 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 called the snap election because at the time you were so far ahead in the polls
1: and it was a was chance to night- consolidate power for another yeah, yeah.
0: Ex- Another five years with a massive majority and push through her agenda, primarily to push through Brexit without yeah. without having to answer to anyone. Um, but I think maybe whereas, that's also
1: why it backfired. Personally, well, and from I, an outside perspective, it looks like when you do a move like that and you call that snap election, like that has to rally your opposition in a way that it's just like, well, who do you think you are? Like it's a blatant move yeah. to be like. We have the the prerogative. We're just going to call an election because we think we could win, and you know, consolidate our power. Or whatever. It's kind of like the, the you were know, David Cameron when he said we'd hold the referendum for Brexit. It's like, well, that'll never happen. We'll just say it in order to you know appease people or whatever for your own agenda, and then it totally backfires. But so I think that yeah. is one thing, and then I think that because of the Brexit thing. You know, people the yeah, the people that are upset about Brexit, the young people, like we just said, they didn't you know go along with this, and they came out and voted. So, to me, that's kind of what it seems like from a you know f- purely from an outsider looking at not a whole lot of the domestic issues, but it feels like that's where a lot of this sentiment was coming from. At least that's what I was seeing online on the Twitter. Steph, yeah. and a lot of people I, saying that Jeremy Corbyn actually, like you said, came across really well, and that he's been a rather consistent political figure for most of his career. He seems like, and I don't know if this is a true, uh, a valid comparison, but he seems like the Bernie Sanders of, of UK politics.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's true. And I think, to me, to me I think they sh- we should have called an election when David Cameron resigned, because although the way that the British – Electoral system works. You don't vote for prime minister. You vote for your member of parliament, your MP in your constituency where you live, yeah. and then whoever has the majority, the most number of MPs in the house, the leader of that party becomes Is prime, the prime minister. minister. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, but I, I think I'll actually a lot of people either don't know their MP or ignore that anyway. They vote, they vote for who they want to be prime minister by voting for that constituent's party. Yeah. Um, so I actually think when David Cameron resigned and the same when Tony Blair resigned and Gordon Brown came in, I think you have to call an election because although that's not the way our electoral system works, that's the way people interpret it and use it. Yeah. So as soon as David Cameron resigned, we should have called an election, let, let, let the Tories choose who is going to be their leader and then t- call an election and go from there. She didn't. So I think that was for me, that was a mistake. I think the other mistake was. Then setting out what her Brexit or the party's Brexit strategy was going to be, and then still not calling an election, laying out those cards, and then calling an election once we've triggered Article Fifty. We triggered Article 50 three months ago, and we still haven't started negotiating. Yeah, and you know, and now we've now we're in this place where we she doesn't have a strong mandate. She's going to have to you know garner votes from everywhere. Like the, and the big push, like the big push on the news today is about the single market. And there, you know, a lot of people were saying, Well, actually, we voted those that voted for the leave. The leave campaigners weren't saying that they were going to leave the single market. Actually, the leave campaigners were saying we would stay in the single market, like Switzerland and Norway and Iceland. Um, and that would all be hunky dory. And then suddenly, Theresa May and her party said, No, no, we're leaving the single market. We're totally going alone. She's lost this election, basically. Um, but it's still, from what they've said, they're still going to force that through. And I I don't know. To me, this, this should have been a wake-up call. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised she's staying in power, but I don't know who they would get to replace her. Yeah. Um, my worry would be Boris Johnson. Who, <laughs> that turd. Jeez. Yeah, that's... Whatever your particular political alliance is, surely you have to look at him and go... It was it was funny when he was mayor of London because although London's a major city, it's just once you fuck it up, there's only so much damage you can do. Make him prime minister, there's a lot of fucking damage you could do. Yeah, um, as we're seeing, you know, maybe with Trump in other parts of the world. So, yeah, bit of a, a bit of a cluster. To be honest, I think we'll see how it all pans out. My worry is that she's they're going to start the negotiations. I think in a week's time, yeah. the Brexit negotiations. And they'll get a few months in and there'll be a leadership contest and they'll either have a vote of no confidence in there or they'll vote somebody else in as leader or attempt to and just destabilize everything. And all the time that's going on, we're losing this negotiating time.
1: Um, yeah, and kind of losing negotiating power and ground. But I mean, yeah. to be honest, the UK is negotiating from a point of weakness. I mean, the, the, the union's not going to let you get away with it. Well, and, and, <laughs> you know what I mean, and I've
0: heard several. I've heard several people say that the, U, the European Union will want to make an example of the UK yeah. to scare others into not going the same route. Yeah. So, you know, I I worry that they won't give us an extension. They, you know, potentially they can extend the two years that it takes to negotiate. My worry is that they won't give an extension and they'll play hardball, yeah. and then we'll just default back to um, WTO standards for trade while we try and sort it all out and it'll just oh, it'll be an absolute mess that's my worry yeah um i hope i'm wrong but that's my worry
1: yeah who knows well anyway glad we uh, got your thoughts on it and uh we can move from you know one depressing outlook update with a with a with a bleak outlook to another
0: are you ready? I thought we I thought we were going to go straight into something jolly and uplifting, but no, we, we, we've we dragged
1: the audience down. We're going to take them any further. Let's so. go a little further. Actually, you know what? This is one of our favorite segments, and uh, it's time for the Ebola update.
0: That's right.
1: Actually, okay.
0: It, it's bad for those that have Ebola, but it's, it's good, good because I, you know it's, it's good for us. We enjoy it in this
1: listener's favor. Yeah, so. that's right. And you know what? The Ebola news is actually pretty good these days. So, oh, really? yeah, no new cases as of the 9th of June, so oh, okay. we're on the 13th of June, but the last WHO case report or situation report was issued on the 9th, and there's no new cases, so the last confirmed case was the 17th of May. Um, okay, so, so it has been confined then to that region, which is what they were hoping Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was so remote. And okay. they've done, they've kind of done the lab work on the suspected cases and stuff like this. And it looks like there was only five actually confirmed cases up to oh, really? now. So I don't know if all the, the rest, lab What, The
0: rest were just faking it or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just didn't want to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got a bad case of the Ebola boss. Can't kill yeah. it.
1: Ebola? Yeah, yeah, definitely Ebola. You just put yeah. like a balloon of red food colouring dye in your mouth and just bleh, bleh,
0: bleh, it's a, <laughs> yeah, that, that, like sounded a
1: like, that sounded like the voice of experience yeah 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 I've done it a couple times it, yeah. it tends to cause a bit of a stir in your local health authority though <laughs> just to get that that uh, doctor's note you know um, so much, like, much like feeding washing powder to a
0: pack of dogs and then letting them run the streets yeah. the dogs <laughs> foam at the mouth it tends to get people of
1: a- Bit excited as well. Right. Not that I've ever done that. Kids, don't try that at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, only five confirmed, and that was at the case. So I, I, I think when at an earlier time we had we had talked about maybe nine cases being uh, possible, but um, yeah, it's only been five confirmed. So there might have been people suffering from some other disease, or it just wasn't confirmed yet from the lab. You know, they haven't got the lab results back yet. But, no, it seems that it was uh, confined to this area, and they have the teams in place now that are doing the contact tracing. So the last known people to have come in contact with this Ebola case, or an Ebola case, um, they've all gone through their uh, 21-day incubation period and aren't showing Mm -hmm. signs. So it looks like it's contained. I mean, there still could be something popping up or a flare up here or there. Um, but what kind of the things that we speculated on uh, in the beginning of it, be, you know, will the remoteness of it be good or bad for the outbreak? Uh, it looks like it was the they're kind of attributing the lack of spread nationally within the Congo and then internationally to the rest of Africa for this fact. It is very remote and there's not a lot of travel going in and out of there. So it well, seems that that was they, true. So they, have, they haven't just built like a giant wall around that yeah. that, that
0: one region and just napalmed yeah. it. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's been no more outbreaks. <laughs> yeah, can't, the old
1: uh, Donald Sutherland move from Outbreak, the, yeah, the film. Yeah, 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 blow up all the bridges, cut them off. No, as far as I can tell, that wasn't the case. Okay. Uh interesting little tidbit I did kind of read about was that they were looking into and they had kind of approved the protocol. And I think the, the spending, uh, I'm not sure about that last part, um, to do a ring vaccine. So vaccinate in a ring around oh, the okay, outbreak yeah, yeah, zone. Right. Um, and I think that they had tried that. If I remember correctly, they did that in places during the last... Big Ebola outbreak, or I guess we can say the big Ebola the, outbreak, yeah. you know, the big one. Um, and they had some success with it. Um, and it's, I was wondering if, the, if we were going to see stories like that coming out and if this, like, just, you know, it's cause it, unfortunately, again, this, like, sounds terrible. You sound like the bad scientist that's like, you know, wants people to get sick in order to test things, but it is the testing ground. Like you really, you only get a couple times to test some of these things like the vaccines and these sort of vaccine protocols so and that is really only during your best test of it anyway is during an outbreak so but I don't think that they're going to do that because it sounds like it's basically more or less gone and then all the models were saying that it was a very low chance that they would see another case in the next within the next 30 days or something so it looks like Ebola is you know, slunk back into the woods for now. For now. And we will wait will it, and will see. Will it come back? Is it, is it there lurking, peeking behind the bushes? It's always lurking. Well, We need to, uh, you know, start. We need to really start heavily fear-mongering for the next one. And actually, I'm going to get a bit of fear-mongering in here right now uh, because I've signed up for uh, medical alerts, global medical alerts, So all like these, you know, when there's an Ebola or an undiagnosed illness coming up, there's a network of uh, doctors, journalists, everyone that communicates and sends out case reports. And you could just sign up to get on the list. So every week I get a list of like all the diseases that are popping up all over the world. (laughs) So I'm going to start, I think, a segment of, you know, Every episode, this week. Yeah, every, yeah, every episode doing a little fear-mongering. I, and there's a I couple of things idea. I've got my eye on. Okay, the, well, I, don't tell anyone. And I think what we
0: should do is we'll, we'll make a little quiz out of it. So you come on, maybe choose one or two illnesses or diseases that have broke out that week. And then you come on and you describe the symptoms. And I've got to try and guess what the disease is.
1: Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's not a bad one. That's okay. not a bad one. Okay, we'll see how that see how that goes. It could all fall flat, flat on its face, but we'll give it a go, see if it works. Yeah, the thing is is that it might be like, <clears throat> you know, the, the symptoms are all the same. Well, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, unless you roll the dice, you don't know whether you win or not.
0: It's like buying a lottery ticket. So,
1: you know, you've got That's to be able true. to win. That's true. We'll 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 and even the ones that I would say, like, aren't, like, the, the craziest risk. It's One of the interesting things about signing up for this thing is that I've, like, seen all these diseases that I've never heard of before, you know, and it'll be some obscure thing from some, so we, we can go more with those. Those will be easier. Okay. Because I okay. will say for my, my little, you know, plug on fear mongering here and I've done it before what we've talked about Ebola or what I've talked about Ebola on other podcasts is it's not the worst. It's a flu. You've got to be worried about the flu and avian influenza, man. It's still popping still. up.
0: Yeah, still knocking around. We've had a couple of outbreaks like near me, actually. So I know, like a lot of poultry farms, they're still having to lock their chickens. And
1: yeah, but that's and the actual in. one in chickens. In China, it's happening in people. Yeah, wow. Well, they're up to like 60 cases now. And that's the ones six, six. that they're telling you about, man. Wow, well, yeah, you got to think about the ones bodies. that the government's not
0: telling you about. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> they should just mass treat us all with chemtrails from the
1: planes. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. what they need to be doing. I just wanted to get a little, you know, out there. But there okay, is. Well, that's. You know, there's truth true. to that story.
0: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to take us from the depths of despair of. Please do, because British I was getting British way elections. too into this. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too excited. I don't, I don't want you in any way enjoying this podcast, Flash. The listen, the listeners aren't enjoying it. You and I are not going to enjoy it. So I'm going to take you from the depths of despair of the British electoral system to the Ebola update to something that's a little bit heartwarming. Um, you and I are decent guys, Flash. I would say we, I'd like you know, to we have so. a we have a sense of fair play. I would say I think so. Um, And there's been research done that actually show that we're not the only species with this this sense of fair play. And actually dogs and wolves actually display a sense of fair play in their day-to-day activities. So um, some work has been done by the University of Vienna um, following up on a study that was done in 2008. So in 2008, a team of researchers basically showed that if you um, gave a dog a task, And you substantially rewarded it for doing that task more so than another dog that was doing the same task. The dog that was not getting the reward would basically just down tools to flag up, well, hold on, this isn't fair. You know, I'm watching that dog over there getting all the treat and I'm not getting anything.
1: So he would just Um, give up?
0: Yeah, he would. Yeah. Basically down tools. That's it. I'm not playing anymore. Um, so the in 2008 they speculated that this was something that dogs, because they're domesticated, learned from humans. Okay, that they, yeah. you know, they they see and they sense this in, you know, humans doing it. You know, if you go to work every day and the boss comes along to you and gives you a pat on the back every day for, you know, logging on your computer and checking your emails and comes to me and ignores me for doing the same thing, eventually I'm going to get pissed off with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So they was they were thinking maybe the dogs had picked this up from humans. What they've done uh, in this latest study at the University of Vienna is retest the same study, but using wolves. So non-domesticated canines. Uh, and actually what they've shown is the results were identical. Hmm. Um, so the wolves basically show the same sense of fair play. If, if one is rewarded more than the other, um, then they uh, they down tools. So what they did is they... Uh, I presume they tranquilized a couple of wolves and put them into kennels um, with a buzzer. And every time they hit the buzzer, then they initially got a treat. Uh, and then eventually, in half the dogs, they stopped giving treats every time they hit the buzzer. Whereas other dogs, they would give extra treats too for hitting the buzzer. And eventually, the wolves that weren't getting the treat basically down talk, right, yeah, we're not playing this game anymore. This isn't yeah. working for us. This isn't fair. Um, so it shows that... Basically, the test for wolves predates the domestication of dogs, so obviously, you know, this isn't something that humans have taught dogs. This is something that's just evolved in evolution. And what they what they're predicting now is this sensitivity to inequality is what they're they're calling it um, is an evolutionary trait. Um, and basically, you know, human shirt, and they've they've seen it in non-human primates as well. If you if you treat somebody badly. And you're working as a team. If you treat somebody in that team badly, they'll stop working with you. Um, Yeah, reciprocity. Yeah, so they're thinking that that's you know an inbuilt evolutionary trait. Now, you know, obviously humans have shown that for a while. They've now started to witness that in non non non-human primates, and now they're seeing it in in dogs and wolves. Um, But actually, what they have followed up with is shown that actually dogs, domesticated dogs. Are more tolerant of inequality, and they actually think that that, that is something that they've learnt from humans because humans have corrupted them or beat them down a little bit. That actually dogs
1: will accept well because we're better than them. Yeah. In,
0: well, depending which way you put it, but I guess you know we're the alphas in in that that chain. So, yeah, interestingly that they've gone back and followed up followed up to this, and you know, so yeah, next time you see you know, a dog out running, then, you know, know that that dog is out there probably playing with a sense of fair play and common decency and upstanding. That, that, to me, is a good trait to have.
1: Yeah. And that dog also knows that we're the boss, so it's not fair when it comes to, you know, between us and him. So I'm glad they know that this needs to be reinforced. Some of these dogs have getting way too uppity, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no. we. you... We, we, were you abused by a dog when you were younger, Flash? That's what it sounds like to me. My family just treated the dog better than they treated me, so I'm really just kind well, of butthurt about it. The fact that they had to tie a pork chop around your neck to get the dog to play with you when you were a kid—oh, <laughs> right? that old joke,
0: good one. <laughs> well, not really a joke because I've seen—I've seen the family pictures with the <laughs> pork chop, so we'll, we'll call it a joke. We'll laugh it off if you like. Right, but I know right. the uh,
1: the scars run deep, Flash. I know. Yeah, it's—it's it's trauma. Um, no, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it makes sense when you're thinking of pack animals, you know, like they, and and this idea of like cooperation and working together in the animal world has always had this idea that you, you, you know, you're not going to, if it's not reciprocal, like you're not going to help somebody unless you get something out of it and you're not going to, you know, engage in a, you know, a, a behavior that helps them unless you know that it's coming back. Like they've looked at that in grooming behavior in monkeys. Right. It's like the more you groom other monkeys, the more they're likely to groom you, you know, because they know that there's this reciprocity. Um, the thing that, you know, kind of sticks in my craw a little bit about this one, though, is that does the test really show that it's because they're upset that the, the other dog is getting it and they're not? What if they're just like, well, fuck, the buzzer's not working for me. So I'm just going to yeah, stop I might doing well, it.
0: Yeah, I might as well stop working. Yeah, and It that could was, have
1: nothing to do with the other dog. Like we're putting, a, the, you know, you're ascribing a lot of uh, emotional intelligence and just intelligence to the animal, you know, or maybe we'll just go with the well, term no, that mi- I mi- can never pronounce, anthropomorphizing. Uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, you still can't pronounce it, but that's I good. I can't. Yeah. I fucking can't pronounce that word. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? It's like you, you they well, just exhausted maybe, maybe they the have, treatment you know yeah. like
0: it's maybe they maybe they do have that intelligence that, that we discussed but it's not in the sense of fair play it's as you said well the fucking buzzer's not working so i'm not going to keep pressing
1: it i'm not a dumbass yeah i'm going to yeah. go and sit
0: at the, i'm going to sit at the back of the cage and wait until some fucker comes to
1: fix it yeah exactly maybe, it's like i've yeah. tried it eight times and it's not working so and maybe they're just like well, Jesus, it keeps working for Bob, but it's not working for me. So uh, I don't know. Good for Bob. I'm glad it's. Uh, I'm glad it's working for him. Yeah. yeah. Bob's some dogs have all the diabetes if he keeps eating like that. But that's Bob's problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. Yeah. And I mean, I get that there's not really a way to control for that or like to test that and stuff. But it is, you know, I think this is the thing that bears some pointing out in some of these tests. You know, when you hear these headlines and stuff that come out in the, in the newspapers and whatever. So but then when you kind of think about it, and that's why I like that we actually break down sometimes the, the, the actual tests behind it. Don't just spout the headlines. We go a bit deeper because that's the kind of right. show we are. Flashlights to go deep, ladies and gents, that's what I just said. <laughs>
0: He's writing it down. Yeah, that's that's going straight into the summary.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, what can I say? But uh yeah, I don't know, interesting story. And again, it doesn't surprise me yeah. from the when you think of, you know, pack animals that they would somehow have some sense of, of knowing what's What's going on, no. at least, with the other group members and assessing sort of resources, if you will, even between who's getting what, you know, having yeah, that ability. I think,
0: I think for me, the for me the interesting part when I, I, I read the, the story and, and started looking into it was was the bit at the end about now, you know, originally they thought dogs had learned that from humans. And now actually it seems it's almost gone the other way. You know, we've instilled a, a sense of unfairness on on dogs, I think that, to me, is the interesting twist in the tail, if you'll excuse the pun.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will excuse the pun, and uh, I agree with you. Yeah. So, yeah, that was it. And then um, I'm
0: going to roll straight into the next story. and I don't really have a clever segue, so I'm just going to steamroller through it. So, it actually, it was on the news today um, that there's a team of uh, doctors and scientists uh, based in Massachusetts General Hospital, they are basically working on a drugged fake tan. Um, so effectively, they've uh, developed a fake tan that you rub on as if you would, you know, these cosmetic products to make yourself look uh, darker and more bronzed than you already are. Um, but whereas those work by just effectively painting the skin, this one actually has a drug in it that actually activates the melanin in the skin. So melanin is the the natural sunblock that the body produces in response to UV light. It's um, what a tan is made of, basically. Yeah, yeah. So this, this drug basically tricks the body into producing more melanin uh, and thus giving you a, a tan, which that's fairly impressive by itself. What I think is then interesting, so they're not following it for cosmetic reasons, so they say. Allegedly. Yeah, they're, they're chasing it because they've actually shown that there is a link between... Um, obviously UV and skin cancer and as the melanin is a natural sunblock um, and there's a lower incidence of skin cancers in people with a lot of dark pigmentation um, that potentially it could be used to prevent skin cancers or also potentially to slow the aging process maybe slightly as well so I guess that is a little bit cosmetic Um, but actually what they've um, seen in the lab they haven't tested this in humans yet is they actually think this drug will actually work on redheads, on gingers. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I so sort of there's so base for them. Yeah. So basically, I didn't know. So there's a gen- genetic mutation. Basically, it disrupts the normal process in a redheaded person. Um, so when UV light hits them, they don't respond in the same way. They don't produce melanin in the same way. They produce um, other mates, but that's why they burn. Um, but the pathway that this would work would actually bypass that genetic mutation. So it would actually cause them to produce melanin. So potentially, if you're a redhead or you're a ginger, potentially you could get a tan through using this product. Um,
1: but which that would lower look the. weird immune. then.
0: Well, I think that's the interesting piece. And they're saying in the lab they've seen this when they've they've tested it on skin samples in mice. They haven't tested it on humans yet, and they're they're predicting it will still work. Um, but they're wondering whether that they say it won't affect the hair follicle. What they're saying is actually could it change the hair color of the redheads to actually be darker as well? So actually, ah. gingers might not be ginger anymore. So
1: they'd be um, the cure for ginger vitis. Wow, well, that that potentially
0: could be another you know extension to the claim once they they get it approved, but. um yeah, an interesting concept. When I first read this, I th- I thought, oh, it, I thought it would be a systemic product, to be honest. I thought you'd take a tablet and that would produce it. So it's interesting to me that you would rub it on. I wonder, you know, what happens if you don't apply it all over evenly? You know, the same same issues you get with a fake tan. Yeah. A bit patchy, or you have to sit there in your posing pouch having it sprayed on. What if you miss a bit?
1: And it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how specific is it? Like, because if you think of it something that's, affecting the cells and the, and the cells producing this melatonin, then it's like you would just bleed, you know. Yeah, you, well, does that melanin
0: leach over yeah, the, the whole yeah, body yeah. or does it and, or does it say localised? So you could still get your T-shirt suntan.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: Um, but still, you know, burn yourself to a crisp and still be at a higher risk of skin cancer elsewhere.
1: Yeah, in like one spot that you forgot to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but yeah and then potentially you know a good way for gingers to hide themselves
1: in plain sight in plain sight uh, yeah. the other thing then that makes me think of too is what about al- albinos albinoism
0: but then don't they lack the ability to make melanin at all so I'm uh, is that not what point, that is yeah okay then I'm guessing this obviously wouldn't have an effect because there'd be nothing there to stimulate yeah yeah reduction of
1: So in albinos, it's not like, um, like in, like in redheads, you were saying where it's like, there's a pathway that's kind of blocked for them. They don't react in the same way, but you can still produce the melatonin. But in albinos, melanin, melanin. Um, but in albinos, it's just not even possible. They just don't, they lack the machinery to even make it. That's my understanding. Yeah.
0: Wow. Too bad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, an interesting one to watch. I think it's still early days, so you know, don't expect to see it on the shelves of Boots or Walgreens or CVS or whatever your local pharmacy is. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's immediately.
1: It's I mean it's it uh, allegedly coming from a noble place of trying to prevent disease and stuff, but think about the cosmetic avenue for it, or even just the the idea that you could like like you speculated on, like if it changed the hair color too. If you could be then, we could have in the future, you know, taking the pills or putting the cream on to just change your your hair color, your skin color, you know, it's like, uh, it's not even like I just want to be a shade darker or a little bit darker. I want to go from one to the other to this, to that, you know, to everything that's, that's possible. Hair color, eh, I feel like a blonde today. Pop the pill and there you go, and totally, so it's like a whole new level of makeup, you know, it's, it's not just, just the surface products anymore, we're moving into actually changing our appearance.
0: Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I presume this, you know, if and when this gets to market, it would be, a, you know, presumably it'd be a prescription product, but if not, then you just, you know... You're not thinking when, big enough, know, my friend. Well, and I was just thinking, you know, when people that I know that go for sunbeds or spray tans or whatever oh well you know it's healthy because you know it protects me from the, well no you're exposing yourself to uv light that's yeah that's putting you at risk whereas this obviously would have that same effect of giving you that healthy glow uh, and tan um, but without the exposure to uv light so yeah it'd be for me it's an interesting way of of, of tackling it i think rather than you know, trying to block the cancerous cells, you know, themselves, whatever, you know, preventing it by using the body's own natural defense mechanism, basically.
1: Yeah. See, and me, I'm thinking about it as like having a, one day having a pill where you could be like an octopus and just like, you know, change your skin into whatever camouflage you want or something like this.
0: Yeah, it. I, I from my understanding, <laughs> if you take if you take this drug, you don't turn into an eight legged, water based animal.
1: Okay, but maybe chameleon. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe, uh,
0: maybe when they, you know, maybe when they do the testing, maybe that'll be one of the side effects. I don't. I don't know.
1: I'm yeah. thinking of like, being, you know, having the ability to like a chameleon change the color of your skin on a whenever you want kind of
0: basis. I I, I know what you meant. I just want to pick on you a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they seem like harebrained ideas now, but... Well, stick it in an envelope and send it to yourself, as we said before. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on then, shall we? Why why don't you take take the reins a little bit, Flash? I
0: I think I've talked to the listeners constantly since we started this, so why don't you take the reins for a little while and give me a chance to put my feet up.
1: I get a couple. I get a couple stories here that I think, uh, yeah, if if not most of us, if not all of us, most of us, uh, will will be in tune with. Uh, and I'm talking about drugs, drugs, well, drugs, drugs. The fun you've, you've turned kind. On, you've turned on half the listenership. You've lost the rest. <laughs> but, you know, the fun kind. So I get a couple drug stories actually uh one is like a really obvious one that i think won't surprise anybody uh and the second one is a bit more out there so we'll start okay. with the obvious one because we're going to be talking about weed bro we're going to talk about oh, weed okay. we're going to talk about get high
0: on weed and um, so you just you just said we're going to talk about one obvious one less obvious so and then you mentioned weed now so is the less obvious one the result of somebody smoking weed and then oh far out maybe <laughs> Is that how the second story came about or am I, am I just delving too deep? You might be going a bit too deep, but okay. um, I know I know it's you that likes
1: to go deep. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll come back into the shallow end and I'll leave it to yeah, you. Yeah, leave it to the professionals here, man. <laughs> but we're going to go far out, bro. We're going to go far out. And I, I know yeah. I shouldn't do the stereotypical weed stoner voice for the weed. There's, you know, that's putting a negative stereotype on on a lot of people. But, um, the, the, the reason I do that is, is this story is so seemingly so obvious. The headline is, is more or less low doses of weed will re- reduce stress and, you know, reduce anxiety, but high doses of weed do the exact opposite. So anyone that spent any amount of time with marijuana will know exactly this. You smoke too much. It's. Not a relaxing time. And it's more like a, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Is my heart beating? Can you guys hear my heart beating? <laughs> is this, is that the cops out there? Is that guy looking at me? Yeah. So, but, you know, science has confirmed that this is now the case. So it's good for them. But basically what they did is, and, and in, in all those jokes aside, uh it does highlight a point about... um researching weed because we're really like we're diving head-on into the weed legalization in a lot of places with knowing you know kind of not a whole lot about it and i know we've talked about this before you know weed is still a schedule one drug in the u.s meaning it's more deemed more dangerous than methamphetamine cocaine and heroin and and so it's put together or just by themselves so that sounds like a dangerous cocktail in anyone's book.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: by themselves, you line them up one by one okay. and go head to head. And <laughs> according to the U.S. government, weed is worse. And okay. So, it's just you know it kind of highlights the fact that you know it seems like an obvious study, which to me it is, you know. Um, but it's we 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 don't have these answers officially on the books because the you know the black market use and the illegal use of it is moving way ahead than the re- uh, quicker than the uh, research can and then the legalization movement is moving quicker than the research can and I heard a really interesting point uh comedian uh, brought this up in a podcast I was listening to um, a fellow by the name of Bo Burnham but he was talking about how this Right now, the mood and the 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 push for legalization in a lot of places, he was specifically referring to America, is so high that it's like in certain circles, the only narrative you get about marijuana is that it's great, it's, it's harmless, it's perfect for everything, it's... You know, it it reduces stress. It helps with pain. It helps your appetite. It helps, you know, all these things. It's like, it's it's like the modern day snake oil. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 but the thing is, the thing to remember is that yes, those things are true. But his point was it's also still a drug. So let's, you know, let's keep that in mind. And so I think that's why studies like this that are sort of confirming what most people that have, you know, used marijuana will know is that on low doses it has you know one effect and on high doses it can have a very different effect which is kind of you know uh, a good rule of thumb to remember for all drugs but uh it's it's you know i think to me that's the important thing about it is that it's highlighting that there is a serious lack of research with you know this drug that we're hurtling towards legalization with and i'm all for legalization don't get me wrong but uh um, well you're canadian of course you are <laughs> You know, it's normally the Canadian stereotypes I don't have time for because I think they're rude, but that one I will give you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there was so there was, I know,
0: know off-air we, we talked a little bit about John Oliver. I know he did a, um, a segment a couple of weeks back um, talking about trying to run clinical trials for researching some of the uses for, for marijuana and the issue being... In the US, particularly, obviously, some states have legalized it, Colorado and California, but actually, still at the federal level, it's a prohibited drug. So, actually, they can't make it or transport it anywhere to actually do yeah. the physical clinical trial with it. So, they're saying that, you know, people, all this hearsay evidence of, yeah, we you know we think it helps with glaucoma and depression, whatever, but we can't actually test it as we would normally because we, we just physically can't ship it anywhere in the United States.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and, that, and that's a big problem. So it's like, you know, the, and, and, and like this comedian fellow I was talking about there, it's like you're getting now, whereas before we were just getting a negative side coming through a lot of media channels where it was all just no, 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 don't even think about it. It's going to melt your brain and it's a gateway to all these other things, which we now know is not really true. But now it's swung so far the other way, and I think it's because it was so, you know, repressed, I guess. Um, now it's swung the other way, and we do know that there is good uses for it. Like, there is evidence backing up some of these, you know, wonder claims about it. Uh, but, you know, let's temper it and go a little bit in the middle. And if we just had a sensible drug policy in the world... Then we could actually investigate these things, but just to go a little bit into the study though, um, it was basically a double blind where they gave a low dose, a high dose, and a placebo, uh, to the, to three groups. Double blind meaning that both the doctors and the people didn't know which dose which, anyone yeah, was getting. Them. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they let them, you know, they let them chill and relax for a bit while it kicked in because it was, a, it was an edible. So you got to give it a minute, you know, you got to give it a while to kick in. And then they had them do these different tasks to, um, monitor stress. They were going to monitor stress. So one of the tasks was a mock job interview. So they had to like they would prepare you, they had you had to prepare for an interview. And then this like lab assistant would come in and give you the job interview and just be like stone faced, wouldn't give you any reaction as to how you were doing. Um and then they had some like um math exercise that they had to do that as from what I understand, it was like count backwards by five from a random number, and the way that they determined the random number was subtracting 13 from a number that they were given, a random number that they were given. And the 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 quote from the researcher is that this is a tried and tested way to induce stress. Like, we've done this before, and it induces stress. And then they measured, you know, they, they got the patients to relate their feelings of stress around it. And they measured uh, blood pressure, heart rate, and uh, like cortisol levels, which is the stress yeah. indicator in the blood. And um, I thought the interesting thing was that they were basing the, the results on, I guess, mainly the, the feelings of stress because they were reported by the by the participants. Because blood pressure, heart rate, and cortisol levels, there was no significant difference between any of the groups. Before, during, or after the, the the trials, so none of the physical in any, indicators in any of the groups were significantly different than the others. So when pooled together a, it, and averaged, or whatever, you know, in the in the treated groups or in all groups, so in, in the control groups. group, yeah, okay. in the placebo group as well. So to me, that's kind of interesting because it's like people still reported that there was more like the high dosage groups still reported that there was more stress, their feelings of stress about the activities that they were doing and some of their behaviors during like this mock interview, they would pause more, you know, and be a bit more sketchy, I guess about it, which again, if you've ever taken a high dose of edible marijuana is not that surprising. Um, but the, but the physical levels remain the same. So it was like, that that was kind of interesting to me is that is i guess the stress reducing or increasing effects depending on your doses is really in the mind and not so much the body you know but yeah so that was kind of interesting and the funny thing is that the second exercise that they did so they did two doses right like they came in for two doses uh right. two trips we'll say we'll use the Three. the common the common lingo And uh, the second trip, they basically gave them the drug and then they had to sit down and talk to the lab assistant or whatever about their favorite movie for like, I don't know, 30 minutes or something or favorite book or whatever, you know. And then they just let them play solitaire for like another 45 minutes. And I was like, (laughs) call that an experiment. That sounds just like getting high with your buds to me, you know. (laughs) Sounds like a working day yeah. for a lot of my <laughs> colleagues. But. So anyway, so that was the kind of obvious one. You know, low doses of weed kind of chills you out, mellows you out. You know, maybe reduces High your doses. anxiety about, you know, some things. High doses? Yeah, man. You might go for a bit of a trip. <laughs> no <laughs> well, surprise they've really there. blown the science
0: world apart there, haven't they? But right as, exactly. you, as you said, you know, until it's out there in a
1: peer-reviewed journal, you know, can you rely on it? Yeah, well, there we go. So the next one, I'm going to go, we're going to go deeper because we're going to talk about one of the most... Of course we are. We're going to talk about one of the most potent psychedelics known to man, DMT. Do you know this one? Uh, wasn't he a rap artist, wasn't he? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No. Close, though. Then, then no. Okay. Close, though. Uh, DMT is, what's the chemical name? It's like dimethyltryptamine or something like this. Um, it's actually produced by the body. But when it's taken in, uh, when you smoke it or you inject it, um, it's known to be one of the most psychedelic substances on Earth. I believe it's like, um, if you've heard of ayahuasca, the really crazy psychedelic that comes out of the Brazilian rainforest and other rainforests yeah. Yeah, that's used in shamanism and stuff like this. It's DMT is kind of, or a related compound to DMT is that, uh, is acting in that, um, drug as well. So this thing is like, it's wild. And it's like when you're in the psychedelic circles, if you're, if you're hip, bro, if you're cool and you know, then, uh, So we, so we'll, we'll never know is what we're saying. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I haven't ventured into DMT. Honestly, I kind of want to try it. I'd like, it, it scares the shit out of me, but I also want to try it. So I've, you know, I read a lot of psychedelic research and, and I'm into that kind of thing. And I, I've investigated a lot about psychedelics and their use in therapy and stuff like this. And from what you get from DMT though, is it's a very common um, experience. So when people do it, they all really report the same almost the same trip not the, not exactly the same but like there's certain elements that are always there for everyone which is kind of interesting Uh, and basically it's that you get transported to another world like you basically fly down like a psychedelic tunnel and then boom you're in this other world where you know the physics aren't really the same or whatever but this sounds so hard to describe, having not done well, it. So sort of basically, but then,
0: you've just described the Star Trek transporter.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, you just do that with drugs. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then, this is the trippy thing, though, and this is what this story kind of center, centers on, though, is that when you get to this new place that's like colors and geometrical shapes or whatever, you know, thing it is, there's everyone reports the, the sensation of other beings. There's other beings there with you. And they're not really? you and they're not, you know, and it's like everyone says this and it's these are other so it's sentient. Consistent. Everyone's saying consistent. that. It's not just. Yeah, it's very consistent uh, theme in DMT is that there's these other beings there. And sometimes there'll be multiple, like people will talk about them as aliens or elves or something like this. And, um, and the people that are really, you know, into the, the therapeutic uses of it and that describe, talk about this, people like Terrence McKenna and stuff talk about these beings being there to sort of, you know, help you see your, yourself and your shit and figure it all out, you know, and that's where the sort right. of therapeutic aspect comes from. But there is some people that believe. That these are real beings and that they're somehow like this is, you know, to some people, this is God. You know, this is this is where, you know, the our world meets another world. Well, and there's yeah. one fella that's really into this idea now. And uh, he wants to build a DMT machine to 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 contact these beings and really make this first contact because the thing with dmt is that it lasts it only lasts like five minutes i think 20 minutes if you do it intravenous intravenously um but it's a very quick it's a very quick uh experience and then you kind of come back so um you know these 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 beings they you know a lot of people report that they you know they Say things to you and you have these conversations with them and that they, that's where they get these really kind of healing or, you know, psychological revelations about things in their life or whatever. And so, yeah, some people believe that they're, they're real beings or aliens or whatever. So there's this guy. I don't know. He's some dude. This is where it gets fringe. So everything I've talked about is, you know, noted, studied, everything. We know all this stuff about DAT, DMT. But where it gets fringe is this guy being like, these are real aliens, and I want to build a DMT machine. Machine. Yeah. So the DMT machine has actually been published in a, a peer-reviewed journal. And basically, it's just a much like anesthetic, where you just kind of keep a constant dose on a patient to keep them right. under. So you're monitoring yeah. their levels, and you're giving them a constant dose of the drug to keep them under during surgery or whatever. It's basically yeah. the same process for DMT, so that you can so say like pro- col- constant rate infusion almost. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that you can prolong the high. And the researchers that wrote the paper were talking about, you know, how this is the most potent psychedelic, and there's a lot of things we don't know, and it would be really interesting to study. But because it lasts so, it doesn't last so long, and there's all these other things. This would be the best way to, to do prolonged studies of DMT. Uh, was, would be with this mechanism, this machine. Now, this dude who's like into DMT, I guess, I and mean, he's some businessman from like San Diego or Florida or something. He, um, he wants to do it because he's like, we can then make prolonged contact with the beings, you know? Like, it won't just be like a five minute, you know? Conversation. Yeah, yeah. we can, we can go for dinner. But yeah, we Maybe can we'll catch hang out. We can like see what it's like and make contact with these beings and stuff. And he's not the only one. Apparently, there's other people. That uh, are, you know, sort of on the Internet getting together and wanting to do this sort of psychic exploration into the into the this psychic unknown realm, like who knows what what it is. And so that to me is, I mean, crazy, but also awesome. And... (laughs) (laughs) the 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 author of the article that i read about this was saying it too he was like well it's kind of because these two guys these two separate guys who want to do this build this machine and like just like you know go the fuck out there you know and they they use the nasa analogy they're like we're like you know it's like exploring new worlds exploring new places you know yeah. And so the guy who wrote the article was talking to these guys. said it's, like, it's kind of an interesting analogy. And he's like, I kind of like the analogy because it shows that the human spirit to explore and push the boundaries and yeah. stuff is is there, which is great. I love that. Then they talk to, you know, another guy who's like, ooh, you need to be really careful because I smoked DMT for like four days straight and thought I was, you know, thought that these things were real. And this guy was a psychiatrist. And he's like, I thought they were real. I had these prolonged conversations with them. And basically I came to the realization that these aliens, you know, this alien race that I was speaking with, uh, wanted me to tell the world about this and they chose me to make first contact and all this. And he's like, and then I had to like temper that. Yeah. That, yeah. Back off at that point. So, yeah. but I think the interesting thing to me is. So whether that they're real beings or not is kind of I don't think they're real beings. I think it's the mind's way of interpreting this, you know, psychedelic experience. You have to put some kind of face to it, you know what I mean? So you you relate to the feeling or the yeah. experience in a way that you that makes sense, mm-hmm. I guess, in your mind. Um but, but this is long. But been to me it's interesting
0: that It's consistent, you know, it's, yeah, I've never done a psychedelic or anything like, well, I've done legal psychedelics when I've been prescribed, you know, strong painkillers or um, other prescription drugs. But yeah, it's it's interesting to me that it's consistent because you think surely, you know, I can understand one or two people having that, but for it can be consistent across all, then that's that's interesting. You know, is, you know, is it having that effect on the body that the body, that's the way the body deals with it? It sees these beings or is it there is actually something there, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think this is an interesting point for all of the psychedelics. And again, it goes to this idea of like we need to we should do more research on this. You know, that they've been demonized for a long time. And well, of course, of course, they're going to say we should do
0: more research with these drugs. Yeah, of course they're going to say that.
1: Yeah, man, sign me up. I'll do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't you don't hear him saying that about, you know, sarin gas or whatever. Do you? Well yeah, we we should definitely do more experiments with ricin. That's definitely what we need.
1: Yeah, well because we yeah.
0: know what happens. We
1: know what the end game is and there's no sweet psychedelic aliens.
0: Well, we don't know that. Maybe just before death there is.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just haven't taken enough. <laughs>
0: yeah. There should be a low dose group and a high dose group. Right, right, right.
1: Well, I, I found it really, really interesting. And I like that these guys are out there. I like that these dudes are, are out there wanting to push the boundaries. I mean, Godspeed. I don't know if I'd want to be the first one to go for a super prolonged trip, but it speaks to a lot of things. I think drug research in general and especially these, what we've long considered psychedelics are recreational or no purpose. Like they're not good for anything. It's just people that just want to get high and, and you know, recreational. Yeah think there is stuff going on there that would be interesting from a physiological perspective, a psychological perspective, all that kind of stuff. Um, I like the question of, does it, if just because it's not real, let's say it's not real. Does, does the realization or the, you know, feeling that you get out of it, does it make it any less important? Eh, maybe not. I don't think so. You still figure out some dark truths about yourself and come to a resolution and you're better for it in the end then who cares if it was real or not you know yeah so there's all those kind of questions so i really liked it and i liked the fact that there was these maverick dudes out there that just you know pushing the boundaries and i guess i will move on because i could rant about psychedelic drugs all well, day you've, you've blown my mind <laughs> well here's my last my last story and it's also about a maverick and he's also about blowing people's minds. I guess less about blowing, blowing. people's minds than severing their minds and putting them on to new bodies. Oh, flashy, flashy, flashy. Are we going back into the world of head transplants? Yes, we are. Our good yes, friend... Yes, back. <laughs> our good friend, Sergio... Canavero. Is this Canavero? Yes. See? The rogue, the rogue, uh, neurosurgeon has made another bold claim about his head transplant and he wants to do it December 2017. And I, for one, am rooting for him. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're not stepping out to volunteer for this one? Fuck no. I'll take the drugs. I'll take all the drugs.
0: (laughs) But. So, so because I think the last time we covered this, he'd found somebody that vol- it was a Russian guy that yeah, was basically volunteering, yeah. wasn't there, to be his first guinea pig, I, I guess, so to speak, a human guinea pig. Um, so, but so what's up? So he set the date. Well, this is basically the, the only
1: the only new news is that he's basically just talked about it again, which is unfortunate because, well, I guess the the, the I was reading one article and they said that in June. So we're already almost midway through June. So I don't know exactly uh, when in June or if this has recently come to pass, but him and his team or members of the team that he's recruited were supposed to hold a press conference or something similar at mm-hmm. a, at a international conference that was taking place in Baltimore. So I'm not sure exactly what the conference is for, presumably neurosurgery so, so, yes,
0: society of head transplant doctors and yeah. it's be quite a small yeah, yeah, small conference yeah.
1: yeah and they meet in baltimore Ooh, sounds shady yeah <laughs> yeah but no so he just got into the news again cuz he's he said december 7 2017 and i guess back when he first started talking about this in like 2013 he predicted that the technology would be ready by 2017 so maybe he's so now just like... Last month. Well, actually, the technology's not ready until January
0: 2018, but fuck it, we've got to stick with our prediction. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So so apparently he We'll
0: start the surgery in December, and it'll just take so long, it'll go into January, and then the actual technology will be there.
1: Well, I think it was... A, so they gave a bit more details in some of the stuff that I was reading today, and they gave some pretty hilarious quotes from uh, his detractors. So one of the articles I was reading... Um, was taught was saying basically had a negative tone about the whole thing, which I thought was a bit presumptuous. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe it'll work, but uh, they said it was roundly considered, widely considered a bad idea. <laughs> Bill, really. <laughs> and the head of ethics at the NYU head, head of ethics, yeah, head of medical ethics, there. yeah, at yeah. Uh, NYU Langone. Uh, medical center said quote he's out of his mind and well, it's uh, of the idea it's quote rotten scientifically and ethically so he's not mincing any ins- words no he's not holding back Why? and then the president elect of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons stated that it was a bad idea and also and this I thought was interesting uh there was an unprecedented. There was a, a high risk for unprecedented levels of insanity for the recipient of the surgery because we don't know how the brain cells will react to being on another body. And I know we've talked right. about this when we talk about yeah. transplants of just the mind, the simple mindfuck of having, you know, say another person's finger or hands or something on your body. But then when you go to a whole new body, so. Thinking about what we just talked about last segment there, I think we need the DMT machine to be part of the head transplant surgery, and we need to get this guy just in the perfect head space. Right, I see what you've done there. To float his head in space across the, te- across the room to the next body. The puns are all there. You all know what I'm getting at.
0: But maybe maybe not a good idea for Doctor Professor Canavero to be uh, partaking in the old weed or the DMT low dose immediately prior to the surgery. He needs
1: the low dose just to relax, man. He just needs the low well, dose. Yeah. To relax. Maybe, well, yeah, everyone probably
0: needs the low dose. You know, involved in that from the patients to the <laughs> to the surgeons. But I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd want my surgeon to be you know taking a few edibles or having a small joint just for walking to the uh, operating theater Suck, man
1: i think if you're undergoing this if you're the volunteer for this thing you're kind of just like whatever you don't really I, I don't know what you're expecting i don't i mean i don't know if you can you know how good of a cell job has sergio done on you that he's like that you're confident that this is gonna work. I mean, obviously there's a desperation factor there too. The man suffers from the volunteer yeah. suffers from a really rare disease. His muscles don't grow, his body is basically dead and dying. And you know, so yeah. there's there's not a lot of hope there for that. So I guess, you know, you're pushed to the brink. Why not why not give it a go? Be part of history. history. Yes. So then I was, so the background of this too, right? Because there was some precedent sent. They did do a, a head transplant on a monkey in the 1970s. Yeah. However, when I originally investigated this story, I was under the impression that the monkey lived and that the experiment was terminated because it was deemed cruel. Because the monkey, he lived, which this is true. He lived for nine days post operation. And he could move his head, but he couldn't move the body, the new body, because the spinal cord had been severed. So now right. we believe that we have the technology to fuse the spinal cord. The spinal cord okay. But right. in this okay. latest bit uh, that I've been reading about, it said that the monkey died because of complications uh, of rejecting the body, like the immune system incompatibility that you find with a lot of okay. organ donor transplants or yeah. organ transplants. Um so that, that changes it because we still haven't figured out that whole situation. And that's a huge risk. So it's like, yeah, the surgery might be successful, but if it, the body, you know, rejects the head or the head well, rejects get, the yeah, body. I guess then, we've,
0: we've improved immunosuppressant drugs and awareness now, haven't we? So presumably, you know, as you would if you had a heart lung liver transplant you're going to be on some sort of immunosuppressives for the rest of your life to yes. stop the head reject well i guess it's twofold isn't it the head rejecting the body and the body rejecting the head
1: yeah and it's just on a whole a whole uh, like a bigger level i guess is the idea yeah. but so in the procedure that they've kind of laid out is that they would it would take i think 36 hours to do this procedure so they would start you know, taking the muscle, the vascular, all that, disconnecting it all, and then disconnect, sever the spine, keep everything super cold. So the body, both donor and recipient, uh super, super cold, flip yep. them over, reconnect, and then uh, basically keep the guy in a coma for like three or four days while they dose him with immunosuppressants. And then hopefully the but see, this is where it seems like it's like, OK, I can get on board with the surgical precision and the tools and stuff that we have to do surgery, being precise enough to connect all the blood vessels and all this stuff. And I can even get on board with the, you can fuse the spine, you know, but this idea that like the immune system compatibility and stuff like that, like it's not just going to be such a shock that it's you're just going to, you know, it's like, I don't know. But I want, yeah, I, uh, I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen. To me, it's almost the other way around. I, you know,
0: you transplant a liver or a heart and lung, to somebody, what's the difference? You know, suppressing the immune system to deal with that as opposed to, a, you know, it's just different
1: host tissue. So, but it's to combinations me, to me of it, host it, tissue too. It's blood, it's which I guess you get in an organ transplant, but it's yeah, skin, muscle. Uh, but like, I don't know.
0: So, for, so for me, it, it's the other way around. For me, the the mind blowing part of this is the the I know te- oh, we talked about because he designed. I think the last time we talked about it, he designed the knife. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first time we, we touched on it, um, it's, like, it's like surely you know. I don't hear of people that are paralyzed because they've had a spinal injury, having the spinal cord refused and being able to walk again. So why haven't we perfected that technique first? True. Before we go straight to that, that, that to me is the disconnect, if you pardon that, pun, you know, that let's not try and run before we can walk in some pieces. They people can't even walk. So let's deal with that first before we, we go any further. That is a very good
1: point. That's like, it's totally, you know, nobody talks about that in any of the articles you read about this, but they're just like, wait a second, if you're saying that you're going to do this, why haven't you done it in a paraplegic patient first? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why are we jumping right to head transplants? Yeah. And if it is like, which it very well could be, it's just this guy getting, you know, wanting to get his name out there or whatever, and potentially selling false hope to this poor volunteer who thinks he's going to get a new body. It's shitty on a number of levels.
0: Yeah, it is, but, you know... Everyone, stood, you know, everyone remembers Doctor Frankenstein, don't they? For good or bad. So, and
1: I think every second article about this guy has Doctor Frankenstein in the in the headline. So, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. far far bit for me to turn down an obvious headline when uh, when possible.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I I do though my the morbid curious side of me wants to see it happen. You know, yeah, it would, yeah, be,
0: and, yeah, I'm I'm fully on board with you. I want to I want to see it happen as well. I don't want to be the experiment but um yeah it's certainly interesting you know it's amazing in a way that that you know as we said okay maybe the technology isn't there but obviously we must believe the technology is there to be able to do something to that and undertake a procedure of that in the first place yeah um that's you know that's an amazing human achievement no matter what way you look at it but yeah well let's keep the listeners updated because uh I, I know it's something you and I get excited about. So, you know, even, even if even if the
1: uh, remaining listeners out there don't get excited, you and I do. So uh, this one's for us. Well, if they sat through our depressing election talk or Ebola talk, my psychedelic uh, rants, why don't you wrap us up and bring us home? That's your well, job. Well,
0: okay, well... Here we go. So actually, by the time that we've finished recording this podcast, so we've been going, what, maybe just an hour, maybe just under that, um, we've probably had a, another UK election, I would have thought, <laughs> yeah, by now, because yeah. we, we seem to be in a perpetual cycle of just voting on everything. Uh, so for all I know, we're, you know, I'm going to switch the news on we've got a new prime minister. Right. Uh, so we've learned that the UK likes having elections. Uh, we've we've learned on several occasions tonight that you like to go deep, Flash, <laughs> which um, it came as no surprise to me, but I just know to some of the listeners, uh, and to your fiance that might be a surprise but that's fine um <laughs> a little weed a day keeps the stress away that's right so uh, that's that's good to know um this is what this is what I'm quite proud of um, I'm not sure whether it works on a podcast but visually it, it works aliens um could not be out there they could be in here yeah that's right and for, For the listeners, what I did there is I just put it to my head. So um,
1: (laughs) that will soon be transplanted to a new body.
0: Well, you know, not 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 if I've got anything to do with it. But you know, who knows? I might wake up from my DMT chamber and (laughs) fuck. I seem to be in somebody else's body. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Who knows? So, Uh, so yeah, Flash. Thank you as ever. It's been a pleasure. I would. I don't know whether it will get edited out in some of the edits. You may have heard some disturbances with uh, Tabby Bruce, uh, or Bruce as he's called. He seems to have uh, taken a, a liking to the laptop, the microphone, the iPad, the microphone for the iPad. Um, so I've had to distract him with a plastic spoon, which he's now running around smashing into everything with. So apologies if you guys can hear that towards the end. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, then it's at Too Brad For You on Twitter or on Instagram. If you want to get in touch with me directly, personally, then it's at uh, Bradley W. Hayes. Flash, if they want to hit you up. Happy here then, as usual. As always. Um, Flash, as I said, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully uh, we can do this again soon. I'm sure we will.
1: Yes, yes, my friend. Uh, always a good time. And you know what? We can't edit out Tabby Bruce, the official at uh, Too Bad For You mascot.
0: Well, you can you can follow at Tabby Bruce on Instagram. He's uh, He's got more followers than me already. And
1: he's getting quite the, yeah, he's getting quite the the following. And he as is. he should, he's an adorable little bastard. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's that's the thing. Well, if
0: he keeps chewing through cables, he won't be adorable for much longer because <laughs> that's going to come to a shocking end at some then point.
1: Then we'll have to get a new mascot, Terry the Turtle. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, very Austin very minim-y. I would be inconsolable for hmm, 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> and then I'd buy anyone <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Flash as ever it's been fun until next time I'll catch you on the flip side yeah sounds
1: good thank you listeners we appreciate it and yeah we'll talk to you all soon catch you later peace If I did, I would tell you so that you could destroy it. I don't know who else I would talk to about that here. <laughs> A couple people, but. <laughs> yeah, A bit on my own. It's that guy on here, the so.
0: dark web that I talked to. You know, he could help it. <laughs> I just assumed I'm, that I was. I am you. not on the dark web. I've, I've searched it. I put it into Google, but it, I couldn't find the link for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. couldn't find the little doorway. <laughs> tried in.
0: knocking. <laughs> try the secret magic yeah. words
1: is this the dark web
0: yeah I think you gotta go to yeah, well, Berlin I think that's where it's that's probably where it started
1: <laughs> yeah, okay so am I starting or are you starting
0: fuck it I'm starting now
1: okay